Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline and go to our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show Sportsnet Spec, Mark Spector. Hello, Mark. How are you? Bobby, how you doing? Good. Lots to talk. We're going to talk Oilers and Elks today. Maybe a little about the All old right. Eskimos, too. All right. Okay. Uh, you ready? You up for it? I'm up for it. I'm just sitting in a nice little uh, place in Banff here. I had a wedding down here yesterday. Shelka and I walking around Banff and making time to do the show, Bobby. Oh, look at you. I tell you, you yeah. are truly a gracious guy. So let me ask you this, because uh, we got, uh, uh, when the flood hit in 2014, Kathy and me and the kids got stuck in Canmore. Um, and that was a little bit scary. How's what? How's it in terms of, did they get pounded with the water the way we have in northern Alberta? Yeah, they've had a bunch of rain here, and it's been cold and rainy. And if you see, uh, if you know the mountains at all, the, there's a lot of snow that's lower than it usually is um, at this time of year. So that means they just got it recently. So, uh, But it's nice. People are walking around. It's a beautiful day. I got a pint coming, Bobby. We're in an outdoor tavern. And quit, up. quit, quit doing that to me, Speck. Life's good, baby. Life's good. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let me ask you this. How, how, how good is life for the Edmonton Oilers right now? I mean... They, they've got to be a little bit frustrated that they were, were as close as they were. Uh, that said, the organization for the last year and a half has got the second best record in the regular season in the NHL and played five playoff series, which is decent. Um, and they're at a different place, Mark. They're at a place where, and I know this, and I know you've talked to Ken Hall in the last 10 days, they're going to get calls that you and me couldn't have envisioned back in the days of total sports, the Oilers organization getting, where veteran guys are like, hey, I'll go there and, and take a swing on a contract to get a chance to win. It really is a different time for Edmonton, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. From back in the day when they had a bad rink and a not a very good team and they had to overpay guys to come here. Remember the free agents? There's a list of not-so-great guys that made a, you know, B players. They had to pay A money to get here. Yeah, it's completely changed. They've, you know, I, I just heard Connor Brown uh, a clip of him saying that, you know, his, his I think the direct quote was, look, Connor McDavid is going to win a cup there pretty quick, and it would be fun to be part of that. Yeah, he and, did that interview with Luke Gazdick, the former Oiler, yeah, for with Luke's, right. I don't know which uh, affiliated gambling site that is, but uh, you might see more of that in the future <laughs> here in the province of yeah. Alberta by Christmas. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, but so there, here's a, you know, here's a pretty good player who's a free agent, and remember, because of the cap, and the order situation, they're going to have to look at these free agents and say, look, you can make more money somewhere else. If you want to come here, this is all we got for you. There was a time when guys would have just laughed and gone down the road. Now, good players are going to take a long look at their career and say, well, maybe I'll make a little less money for a short, short term and see if we can pull something off in Edmonton. All right. Well, in the case of Brown, one of the reasons, in, and how long have we been talking about Connor Brown, Speck? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've only brought him up for, it's been at least five years that I've been, I, I love the player. He's Zach Hyman light. Now he's coming off a torn ACL, and because of that, the Oilers can do a, a low base plus bonus deal, kind of similar to what Krejci did last year in Boston. That was age-related. Uh, so would you do a million base plus three million bonus? What do you think? 
Well, three million bonus. I guess my question to you is, how high do you have to go on bonus? Is yeah. my question because you're spending next bonus means you're spending next year's money. Yeah. Um, you know, which everyone wants to. We're all going to kick the can down the road here if the cap's only going up a million bucks. Uh, but you know, I, I do this. I do. I do within reason what it takes to bring that player in. I think he's a good player for this team. He's got a history with McDavid. Uh, they need playoff style wingers, right? They got enough guys to get into the playoffs, Bob. What they don't, maybe what they could use an improvement on is guys who play the playoff game. And I think we would all agree that Connor Brown went healthy and went playing well, that he's going to probably help you in April, May, and June morning. He's going to hurt you. All right, I'm going to throw it out there for our listeners on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Assuming it's a $1 million base, which immediately counts on the the cap, how high would you go on a bonus uh, for Connor Brown? And conversely, are you scared because he's coming off a torn ACL or are you intrigued in, in that type of player? Text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Speck, you know there's a desire to improve the defense. Can you improve the defense with the same three pairings coming back? I mean, let's walk down that road. If Cody, you know, Cody Cece didn't have a very good year last year. Let's say he turns back into the good Cody Cece. Sure, you improve your defense there. Yeah, with that player. Um, I want to say, is DNA going to get a lot better than he was? I mean, maybe a little. You know, so put it this way, Bobby. If it's my team and I'm building that defense. I don't think I want to come back with the same six guys. I want it to get a little better. I got to either improve, you know, by replacing CC with a guy like Moore, or I got to get a guy that pushes DNA to be my seventh defenseman. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I want. I don't think I want to come back for a whole season playoffs with DNA as a regular third pairing guy. Now he'd probably scowl at me if you heard me say it. But if you're asking me how do I improve my defense, I think that's how you improve your defense. What do you do if Broberg? What I do with Goldberg is, I don't, you know, let's go back to Bouchard. You were a, a very vocal proponent of the, uh, how two years ago, they didn't use Bro, uh, Bouchard very well. Right? Remember how little he played? Under Jim Playfair, yes. Yeah, he hung around the team. He never played. It was a wasted year almost for him. And look at the player he's turned into. Uh, I think the same should be said for Broberg last season. I didn't learn anything about Broberg last year. Right. By the time he finally got in a playoff game, he was left so unready to perform. He wasn't very good, and I'm not blaming the player for it. So I want to uh, – Broberg needs to play for sure. Yes. If I send Broberg down for the first half of the season to Baco and played him 24 minutes a night, I am absolutely fine with that, even if he's not. Uh, and he's got to show me he's a player. And, let's, and, and then if he shows me he's a player, Bob, in January, that player has to come up and play hockey. He can't come up here and be the seventh guy in 11-7 scheme and play four minutes. He needs to play. He's a young player. Could he look, look at the steps Bouchard made? There's people, you know, we all looked at Bouchard and thought, I wonder if this guy's going to turn out. Well, look at the steps he's made. I'm looking at Broberg now and saying, I wonder if he's going to turn out. Let's give him the chance to make the same steps. Here's, for me, here's, like, and again, I spec, we were, I'm not sure you were there that day, but when we came, and granted, we got a lot more information after the fact, but remember the training camp for the bubble? And Broberg came from Sweden, and he was unbelievable early in that training camp in July. 
right? He was off the charts. Now, as it turned out, the two Swedes didn't want to come back. Clefbaum never played another game after that Chicago series. Those guys that were over in Europe didn't really want to come back to North America. Yeah, Larson didn't want to come back either. Right. right. And, you know, Ethan Bear was not, you know, his conditioning level had dropped off at that point from where he was at during that tremendous night. Yeah, the Oilers weren't any good in that bubble series game in Chicago, let's call it. And Broberg looked early, looked early like the best D-man. Um and has the difference for me between Bouchard and Bro- I, I know what Bouchard is. He's like he he's a puck mover that is a power play quarterback that's going to cost the Oilers a hell of a lot of money in a year from now. He's <laughs> going like if he's on that power play all year, he's putting up sixty points. At yeah. this stage, I'm not hundred percent sure what Bro. I get, no. it, I don't know what Broberg is. is. I don't know what he is either. All I know is he's an elite skater. And and in today's game, you, you don't sneeze at a, a defenseman that skates with his size, that skates the way he skates. I got to know what he is. I want to find out what he is. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bob. I talk to scouts all the time, and I ask them about different players, often on the orders. What do you think of this guy? What do you yeah. think of that guy? I've barely met a scout that tells me, oh, Broberg, uh, I, I trade a lot for him. I think he's awesome. I think he's going to be great. I got a lot of scouts telling me I don't really know what he is. He's never been great in Baco. He's certainly not been great in the NHL. But I'm going to tell you, I don't think that this is a player that's they've invested enough in. I want to know, you know, I want to see, I want to see him get some responsibility and some ice time, so that if he doesn't get the job done, I can say, okay, he's not getting the job done. I can't look at him playing four minutes a night and say, son, you're not getting the job done. That's just not fair. Yeah, well, let's say, and I think we both think they need to improve the defense. Mark, you you mentioned a potential trade in a piece that you wrote yesterday. Uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Now it was you, was that based on any insider information or was that well, a little bit. I mean, we, okay go for it we know we know Philly's looking to make moves here right yes. we know Philly's making we know what the orders need we know what Philly needs I mean I'm not you know I've been doing this long enough to know that I'm not going to predict a trade that's going to be exactly what Ken Holland does two weeks from now but uh, you know they've talked to him about Konechny that's been out there. And uh, he's a very good player. They got a clear salary. They got a trade defenseman to make that trade happen, probably. I threw Nick Seeler in there because, to me, if Nick Seeler's your seventh defenseman, I like the look of that defense right now. Yeah. Uh, but let's see what happens. There's a draft coming, and there's a lot of offers on a lot of tables right now. Bob. Yeah, I think if I'm the Flyers, I'm looking for a number one at this year's draft if Konechny goes before the draft. Uh, and that might be an in-season trade uh, next year. Mark, let's switch focus. The Edmonton Elks, only because you're texting me after every loss. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, it was that was ugly on Saturday against the BC Lions, wasn't it? Yeah, I did. I watched that game, and you know, I'm sort of everyone who watched it. It's no great scoop to know that. Listen, to know that a shutout's no good. I want to say to you that in the CFL, when your defense only allows 22 points, I believe in the third quarter, BC only had about 15 points or 13 points at one at one time, late in the third quarter. So let's be positive. The defensive side of the ball was really good. You know, the offense, they were on the field all night long, Bobby. Like, I thought the defense, if you hold a team to 22 points in their home opener, your defense is playing good ball. But, you know, let's cut to the chase here. You, you can't have... 
the quarterback doesn't look like he's ready to be a CFL quarterback. The offense is doesn't. I don't like their play calling. I don't like their execution. I don't see many game breakers, even though they're supposed to have some. No one's doing it. They got one play this season for, I think, 102 yards, and if you take that off of their totals, they're very, very poor. Uh, they got to move a ball, Bobby. They got to score some points here. Mark, you and me were privileged because we grew up watching the the Eskimos. You know, five straight Great Cups, seventy-eight to eighty-two. They always had competitive teams. They won again in eighty-seven, won again in ninety-three, won in 03, won in '05. You know, like they they were. You know, I think they're they're second to Toronto all time in Great Great Cup victories. Yeah, um, it's just it's and it's a completely different world too. Like, you know, the five years that the Eskimos won those Grey Cups, the attendance was never more than, uh, or never less than 50,000. In seven of the last eight Grey Cups, they've had 37,000 or fewer fans at those games. The only time they didn't was the one in Edmonton, uh, where they got over 50K. Um, different time, for sure. Does, doesn't even, does it seem like the same organization in any way? Like, 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 or is that an unfair comparison just because the position they're in and the league's in and compared to the greatness of what we were privileged to watch back in the, the late 70s and early 80s? Yeah, I mean, listen, I've I've been the, one of the guys in town that were instructing the orders throughout the 90s and early 2000s to quit looking back on the dynasty yep. and referencing it. It's time to move on. Don't compare today's player to Gretzky and, and Messi and all those guys. It's not fair. And I'm going to tell you right now, Chris Jones uh, isn't going to carry Hugh Campbell's coaching briefcase. And I don't see a Warren Moon, and I don't see a Brian Kelly, and I don't see an offensive line like the one that Eskimos team. I don't see a high ball. I don't see defensive players like it. Stop it. We can't, we can't say – we can't compare anything today to the 78 through 82 Eskimos. It's unfair to everybody. So let's start there. But I think fundamentals of football are fundamentals of football. That team's got to win the line of scrimmage, and they're not winning the line of scrimmage. And you know, you know football, and I know football. You lose the line, you lose the game. Yeah. And for two days in a row, two games in a row, I've watched them lose the line, and they get to the one yard line, and they think they're going to win the line three times in a row. They lose it. Uh, it starts with fundamentals. You always say it, Bobby. You're only as good as your Canadians. Maybe they got to get better Canadians, but I'll tell you this: they got to learn how to run block and pass block before they're going to make any offensive yards. So Frank Morris was a huge part of the great success. Uh, Ray Newman did the U.S. scouting. Frank did the Canadian scouting. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, like in the eighty and eighty-one Grey Cups, the Eskimos played with five imports in the secondary. Mike McLeod was uh, the safety. I'm thinking he came out of Montana State, uh, and he was fast for safety at that time. And you just, you know, at that time, the the Eskimos bought the best free agents away from Saskatchewan and Hamilton, and yeah. but then we went into a salary management system, and now we have not just a cap on the players, but we have a cap on management as well, which kind of hamstrung uh, the Elks organization. Hey, you know, Mark, hamstrings everybody the same way. It's a it's yes. an even it's an even playing field. And I would say to you, with their stadium and their resources, the Elks should still be able to have an advantage over a lot of teams. They should. So, and in this city, a good CFL city, they should have an advantage, and they got to figure out how to play that advantage. So, Bobby. Mark, we often talk about officiating. You know, yeah. i got to say it. the One of the craziest calls of all time that completely favored the Edmonton Eskimos of I, when I think about okay, what's the worst call or the most 
unim- like and, and people can text us on this and I got a bunch of texts on Corey or on, uh, Connor Brown we'll get to that in a second but when I think Mark of maybe the craziest most bizarre call that completely worked we might even have some old school Edmonton Eskimo players listening 1981 Great Cup remember the year that J.C. Watts in Ottawa and I can tie this back yep. to the Oilers you know who coached that team for Ottawa Jeez, was that Brancato? That's right. That's Pete Chiarelli's father-in-law, George Brancato, <laughs> who played in the 1960 Great Cup for the Ottawa Rough Riders against okay. against Don Getty and Jackie Parker in the Edmonton Eskimos. Don Getty relieved Jackie Parker in that game. Of course, Roly Miles and Normie Kwong were on that team in 60. <laughs> Anyways, 1981 Great Cup. The the Eskimos were down 20 to one. They were a huge favorite. They destroyed Hamilton 48 to 10 in the 80 Great Cup. They were. 14 1 and 1 in the regular season that year. And 20 to 1 at halftime, right? 20 to 1 at halftime. They come back, yeah. they tie the game up 23 all. I've never seen this call again in football. But well, J.C. Watts, who's, I think he's like a senator in Oklahoma or something, because that's where he yeah. played. Yeah. yeah, He threw a ball up. Remember Tony Gabriel was playing with an injury in that game? Like he was yeah. limping around all game. He threw it. Gary Hayes was covering for the uh, for the Eskimos. He was <laughs> D-half. They went up. They were hand-fighting down the field. Gabriel caught the ball for a first down. And it would have put the uh, Rough Riders in position to continue the drive to go for a game-winning field goal. They called double pass interference. From both guys. I've never seen that call before or since. Like, when I I think of the Oilers getting hosed, you know, like uh, the Kessler on Talbot back in 2017, we didn't like the Broberg call when the Oilers were up 2-1 in Vegas in the second period of of Game 5. But when I think of a team getting hosed, all-time hosed, Speck, I got to tell you, the city of Edmonton got a huge break on that. That, Like, I've never heard. I defy any. You you can call double P.I. on a – I asked Dave Campbell. Do you remember that? He goes, he goes. I, Bob, I've never seen it in all the games I've done. I've never seen double pass. Do you, I, I, mean, guess it was, you, I guess when you win four in a row, four great cups in a row, you, you get those calls. Hey, <laughs> like, Mark, it was the most uh, double pass interference. Who calls double pass interference? So like, like, make up your mind. It's either on the offense or the defense. You can't. Can you call it both ways? I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know either, but they won that game. They, I think Cutler kicked the field goal with about yeah. seconds to play, and they that was their fifth in a row, I believe. No, right? that, was, that was number four in 81. Then, oh, they, beat, four, then they beat the Argos the next year in 82. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, you know what? All good things come to an end. You win five in a row. That's not well, bad. Well, Huey left. Huey went, to the, Huey went yeah. to the LA Express. They lost Warren Moon. Uh you know, you're, I think Pete Catella came in in 83. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think it was Pete yeah. Catella came in for half a year in 83. But no, it was wild. And then and then Hugh resurfaced with the Eskimos back in, I think, in 86 as a general manager. So. Oh, the offense they're running now reminds everybody of uh, Kay Stevenson's offense. So, well, they uh, went 9-9, nine nine, that team, with Kay Stevenson, who yeah, was the former probably, head coach of the Buffalo Bills. That's Speck, probably not the reference we want. Speck, <laughs> double, double pass interference. There's going to come a point next year where we're – we're working a game, and I'm going to walk by it, and I'm going to go 81 Grey Cup, double pass interference, not as bad a call as that one. <laughs> well, 
Well, we see the NHL refs. I think they're up to the challenge, Bob. All right. Thanks a lot, my man. Enjoy All right. Bath. See you later. You All right. 12.53 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. We will tell you that the Oilers Now injury reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. I mentioned the, the Eskimos winning the Grey Cup in uh, 93. Trent Brown was a part of that team. There was over 50,000 fans at the game at McMahon Stadium that year. Bittersweet moment for the Eskimos to be in the Stampeders dressing room celebrating a great cup victory. I think they beat the Bombers like 33-23 or something like that. All right, uh, we'll come back with your texts on Connor Brown. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. All right, I said let's uh, get to some of these texts here on Connor Brown. This text comes in out of Saskatchewan and says, I did a video breakdown of Connor Brown, and he is brutal defensively. Stay away from the player. Well, uh, there you have it. Um, had a tough year in Ottawa, so did a lot of uh, players in Ottawa a year ago. Of course, only played four games last season. Uh, before that was a career plus player, 5v5. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, uh, Connor Brown, I'd go 1 million base, 1.5 million bonus. No chance he does that. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's going to get more than that. Um Gordo says, Bob, get rid of Yamamoto Nugent-Nurse, and we'll have lots of money uh, to get all of our needs from Gordo. Uh, Well, I don't see a mechanism that's really in place to move all of those players. And I I think a lot of... Brendan, I don't think the fans would be too happy if the Edmonton Oilers traded Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. He had a 104-point season this year. What is what is with that? Like, it, the, well, the recency bias of the playoff production, I can sort of understand from the fans. But come on, yeah, this guy's an Oiler. Yeah, uh, here we go, Bob. Uh, Connor Brown would be a great addition, but there needs to be a plan B if he signs based on his injury last year. That is a fair. Uh, comment. Stoney says, Bob, cut the cord with Broberg. Look what New Jersey did with Ty Smith last year. Uh, they sure as hell aren't kicking themselves after that move. John Marino for Ty Smith. Uh, yeah, that one worked out pretty good for New Jersey. Again, you can text us. Uh, Bob, I think uh, Brian has a different perspective. He says, I think that Ekholm will uh, have a massive influence on Broberg maturing. Uh, well, I hope that's the case. Again, you can uh, text us, 780-496-0063. Haji, you know the answer to this already. Bob, did Vegas exploit Edmonton's uh, defenseman or Edmonton's defensive structure and philosophy? The Knights just wrote a how-to guide on how to beat the Oilers' man-to-man defensive structure. So Edmonton could dress Larry Robinson in his prime next year. Uh, but if they utilize the same man-to-man defense, I'm uh, confident it. Uh, w- I'm not confident it would make the necessary defensive change from Haji. Oh, I'm pretty confident that if you went man-to-man with Larry Robinson, you'd be okay. He's like plus 522 in his NHL career. He was in his prime as good as anybody in the league, and he was tough as he beat up Dave Schultz as well in one of the greatest moments in NHL history. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Randy Kilburn, when we come back for Wow Factor Desserts, Brian Lawton, this is Oilers Now. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.